Let's kick it. Jay, start the timer. Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living it. I'm Travis Sherry, co-founder of Location Indie and a guy who started a little site called ExtraPackOfPeanuts.com. And I am Jason Moore, also co-founder of the Location Indie Community and founder of Zero to Travel com and a podcast of the same name and i was trying to channel my inner beastie boy there in the beginning i don't know if you caught that well you're white and you used to be a rapper so if anyone's going to be able to channel their inner beastie boy it's got to be you from a man who told us last podcast that you had been making travel raps that you haven't released yet yeah first of all once a rapper always a rapper so just because i used to be in a rap band in high school doesn't mean i'm not a rapper anymore Oh, my, my apologies to the whole hip-hop <laughs> rap community for misspeaking there, of which you are a very small part. Oh, yeah. A very integral part of the hip-hop community out there. If you guys are just joining us for the first time, well, then we're going to tell you how this works. We hold ourselves to 30 minutes. We're going to talk to you about the realities of location independence because it's got a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of stuff in between. So we're going to be giving you advice and tips and stuff like that on how to lead a location independent lifestyle. But more importantly, we're going to be pulling the veil off it and showing you what it's really like because I think sometimes people get in their head that it's all roses and everything's going to be great and it's not always the case. So we're going to be telling you about our lives and the things that we come in contact with and the obstacles and hurdles and all that kind of stuff. But we hold ourselves to 30 minutes because as you can already tell from the beginning of this podcast, we like to ramble on. So 30 minutes. In the words of Led Zeppelin. That's true. 30 minutes, 28 of the meat and potatoes, Jason's favorite <laughs> term, is the meat and potatoes of the show. And then at the end of the show, we're going to tell you a little bit of what's happening, awesome stuff inside our location indie community and ask each other maybe a few goofy questions and things like that. So I, I have a quick goofy. Wait, I just want to have one quick goofy question. Uh, what kind of potato do you like with your meat? Because I'm a mashed guy. I like sweet potatoes. You should know that. I eat them every oh, day, yeah. man. Sweetums. I, sweetums. I call them sweetums. I mean, why Why say sweet <laughs> potatoes? They're sweetums. <laughs> sweetums. Sweetums, man. Eat sweetums every day. Um, usually in the fry variety, but baked. Not, not like bagged sweetums. You have to get your own sweet potatoes. You have to peel them. You have to chop them up. You have to bake them. A little bit of olive oil. They're healthy. They're awesome. I literally probably five out of seven days... I'll eat them if I'm home here in Philadelphia. And I, ha I have to say I've had uh, Sweetums plenty of times with the Sherry's and have quite enjoyed them. And and I do. I like mashed potatoes, too, man. I just, you know, regular potatoes. I just, I don't know. They're not as healthy. And I'm just, I got a hankering for sweet potatoes all the time. <laughs> for Old school term. He's got a hankering. A hankering. <laughs> so what we're going to do on this show, this is actually part three of our Lifestyle Launch podcast series. It is the sister podcast series to the video series, which we had professionally recorded and edited and all that kind of stuff. And it is designed to teach you how to build a location-independent income stream in one weekend. So if you haven't listened to part one and part two, 
I'd suggest you go listen to them first, probably, because we are building on what you learn there. Because at the end of each podcast, we're giving you an actionable tip. It's like something to go and do. We, we're not calling it a homework assignment, because as Jay said in podcast two, no one likes the term homework assignment. So we're calling it a, I don't know. We haven't come up with a term, have we? We've thrown out a lot of terms, like literally taking them and throwing them in the garbage. I don't know. Sometimes when I don't feel like working, then I do have to reframe it. And I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to go build my business today. That's more exciting than feeling like oh, I got to go to work. Because sometimes, you know, you have to do something that you really don't like, like taxes, for example. Ugh, yeah. You Tax know? season. So, so why don't we call this your, your fun task? That's that's the best I can come up Your with. Your freedom task. All right. There you go. Your freedom task. So this is going to be at the end of each podcast. We're telling you what you should do. Go and do this. And then this will help you launch your location independent business in one weekend. But they build on each other. So go and listen to part one and part two if you haven't already. This is part three. And today what we're talking about, so in part one, we covered, you know, like what you were going to do, your idea and your skill. Part two, we talked about who. Who are you going to get to um, figure out if this idea was going to work? Who are you looking to maybe get to help you market it? it you know, we, we go in depth about it there. So you're going to have to listen. And then this is going to be how, right, Jay? This is the how to actually do something. Well, in the last part, we talked about really putting yourself out there. Now, this is actually putting yourself out there and uh, how to actually do it, like you said. And I think... Um, we have a hankering to give you some good tips today. We we do. So this is this is how to create the offer. And so basically what it comes down to is if you if you have a skill or an idea and then you you found your little network and your power friends, which we talked to about in podcast number two, now it comes down to actually presenting them with something that they might want to either buy or pay you for or anything like that. I'll give you a quick example. I just assumed that I was going to write a book about frequent flyer miles. And because it was going to be the best book out there, which it was at the time, I can safely say uh, there wasn't much competition. So before I pat myself on the back too much, now there's like 100 books out there. But three and a half, four years ago when I wrote it, I just thought, all right, I'm going to make the best book. And it's just, there it is. It's going to be there. People are going to buy it. That's it. It didn't exactly happen that way. I didn't whisk myself away on millions of dollars of sales like I kind of assumed. I thought putting something together and creating something was the... That was it. But what I realized, that was like 20% of it. And the other 80% comes after something is already created or after the idea has already started. It's about putting out a formal offer and even if... you know we, We've talked about this this podcast series and I... I don't know if you mentioned this because I was jotting down some notes, but you know, we have this is the accompaniment of a video series that you can get at locationindie.com when we launch. Uh, it's it's covering a lot of the same principles and we're touching on them a bit here in this podcast because we felt like there's just a lot more around these. And each of these podcasts could actually be hours and hours long, probably. But um, we That's wanted why to give we started you some, the timer. That's why we started yeah, the timer. Yeah. I mean, we were wanting to give you some more thoughts around it, but you should definitely check out the video series if you're interested in this stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, having a formal offer, and we've been preaching all along, well, the quickest way to do it in a weekend, start a new income stream, is to offer a service that somebody can pay you for. So you can do that by, you know, utilizing one of the skills that you have and having somebody pay you for that skill. So if you can edit photos in Photoshop, you find a client who needs 
photos edited and then they would pay you money for your time to do that. It's the quickest way to get started. One thing we never even touched on in the first podcast is, you know, there are existing platforms you can put yourself on. We're kind of taking the approach of, uh, you know, try to drum up your own first client. And technically, if you have one client paying you, even if it's $20 or whatever, for one thing you do, that's a location-dependent business in- income stream as long as you're doing it in a way where you can do it from anywhere. So like, it wouldn't count if you had to go meet that person to give them the instruction. You got to do it online over Skype, something like that, because obviously you're trying to travel. And I like this. how you said so, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count. Points, in, in the, minus points for that. Uh, the, no, the, but I mean, if the goal... Jason's, uh, <laughs> you know, Jason's big book, it doesn't count, guys. I would say it counts in, in a sense that it's a business win, but if you want to be location independent, again, if you're going, if you have to go to a location to actually earn the income, it's it's not fitting into what you're trying to do right now. So yeah, so I think... Putting out a formal offer is what we're going to talk about today. And Trav, like, how important is it to actually see an offer? I mean, this is kind of common sense, but I think some people can mess this up because they don't present it in the proper way. And think about all the things you buy and like all the, the buying decisions that are made very quickly sometimes in your head how they materialize, why they materialize, sort of the psychology behind it. Yeah, it is. It really is a psychological game. The more you get into it, you know, you hear people talk about sales and marketing and and a lot of people shy away from those terms because it sounds sleazy, right? Like, oh, he's in sales or he's in marketing. But really, I'm I find it fascinating because it's it is the psychology of why people choose something over something else. And, you know, Here's the thing that I've learned, and it's been a, it's a, been a hard lesson over the last three and a half years, is the fact that if you want to survive, you do have to sell, right? Like, I mean, you have to make sales. So maybe someone's selling it for you if you have like a, you know, if you have a huge company, right? You have salespeople and you have graphics people and you have all this. But typically for, for the people who are like solopreneurs or people who are starting location independent business, you, you have to wear all those hats. And so what it comes down to is you you are going to have to get people to buy what you have. And that does mean putting yourself out there. And it does mean having people tell you no. And that sucks. It, it's painful to do both, to take that first step to put yourself out there and then to have people tell you no. But I think the most important thing that I've come to realize is if I'm creating something that I truly believe in and that I really think is going to help someone's life and and you know and better their life then it's not really a sale it's more it, it comes down to like you're helping them yeah if i don't tell someone about this so for example if i know someone who like is wants to be location independent and they just love it and they're like i really want to be location independent i want to travel more i want to build my own business i want to have the lifestyle you lead and i and i don't tell them about our location indie community I mean, I'm doing them a disservice because here we do. Here we have a community of tons of people who are all trying to do the same thing, and I know that for me, the only way that I can keep pushing stuff forward is to be around people who are helping me out and doing the same thing. So if I don't tell someone about that, it's like, wh- what am I thinking? So I think that's the first part: is you have to feel comfortable in that you're providing something that that is helping s- someone. And you know, nine. We don't have a problem with ninety nine percent of people who come to us and talk to us about that. Like, very. We don't. I can't even think of one example of anyone who comes in and like they told us an idea and it sounded scammy, right? Like they're going to try to scam people. So, just be comfortable in the fact that you know, if you're doing photo editing and someone needs photos edited, 
you're, you're helping them. You're doing them a service. So don't shy away from the fact that someone's paying you for it. Embrace the fact that someone's paying for you because they're willing to say, yes, you're you're doing something that I want you to do. So I think that that's a great, thing. that's such a great point, Trav. And I think like you could even, you know, if you're, if one of the things that's holding you back is like, you're scared to sell, like Travis says, I mean, just to give yourself a pep talk, you could even say, it goes so far and say, listen, if I don't put myself out there with this photo editing offer, like I'm actually denying the people that really need my help, the help that they need, you know, and it does by not doing it, their world, but right. it, it is helping them in some way. And maybe it is going to change their world. I guess you get into conversations with people. I think when your location dependent antennas go up and they start wiggling around, I'm have my hands on top of my head here. You start paying attention a little more and you might start noticing what some of your friends or colleagues or things that people need help with around what service or skill you want to offer. And uh, that's key because I think one of the top questions you have to ask yourself when you're creating your offer is why is somebody buying this? You know, and it might, it might, you're not going to create the perfect offer right away, but what, what is the reason? So let's go to the photo editing example. If you're just thinking service level, you might say, well, they just need their photos edited, obviously, right? But is that really why they're buying your service? It's probably not. It's probably because they, they're valuing their time and they know if you can come in and help them edit photos, then that's freeing up time that they can do something else. So why they're buying, yes, they need the end result of like having their photos edited, but probably the more emotional layer is that because if they can find somebody's trustworthy to do this, they're going to get free time to do other things that they need to do to either build their business or enjoy. And that is the key there. Another emotional level comes to why are they getting the photos edited in the first place? So maybe a husband is putting together an awesome like a photo album for his wife for their anniversary, or maybe they're putting pictures up in their first home of when they met and stuff like that. So it, it is when we talk about the psychology of making an offer, you know, there's the convenience factor, like, like you just talked about Jay. And then there's that, like, yeah, there's that deep factor of like, why are they doing it? Like, what is it making them like, how are they feeling? Like there's a bigger picture thing sometimes. And so I think that when we talk about presenting an offer, that's what you want to start to hit on. You want to you want to put in what what we kind of call like emotional hooks, right? You like you just want to say, "I'm the best photo editor in the whole country. I can do a hundred photos in one hour." Like yeah, I don't know. Like maybe that's cool. So maybe they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." But wouldn't it sound much more enticing if you're like? hey, do you have all those photos that you've taken on your vacation but you've never done anything with? Wouldn't it be amazing to put them all in a photo album to sit on your coffee table so that when guests come over, they can relive those memories um, with you? You know, And so you're like tying it in there. And that's just a really quick example. And so that's what makes usually uh, makes people stop and take pause and consider your offer is when you when you put yourself in their place. Like what are they thinking when they come to your offer? You know, so you, you don't focus on the features of doing a hundred photos in a, in an hour. You focus on the benefits that they'll receive from using your service. Yeah, and you know, I could use my sister does pet photography, right? And I mean, that's not well, location. Should have been the one who made my calendar way back. In the day. <laughs> that's true. You, if you want to know what the calendar's all about, you're going to have to listen to the other one of the other episodes here on part of this lifestyle launch series. You know, like for her. And I know this isn't like a location-dependent business if you're going to shoot, but I'm just going to use it as an example. 
you know, what is she, what is the deep thing that's going to hook people in? It's going to be like capturing memories of their pets that won't be around forever. So getting, you know, the perfect image, the perfect picture of their beloved pet while they're here on earth with us because pets don't live forever, you know? And I mean, that might sound extreme, but I mean, there's a lot around them. I mean, people love their dogs. They love their cats. So, you know, what you're doing is taking their emotions around what it is. And you're just using that in your copy, not to manipulate, but just to show what you can provide with your service. So if it's photo editing for a wedding photographer, for example, who's really busy, that might be the person that's a good example of like, you're going to save them tons of time so they can focus on other things because they're building their business. For pet photography, it might be more of the emotional element of capturing uh, their, the memories of their pet, or like Travis said, like suggesting, you know, having your honeymoon pictures in a nice book or whatever it is. I mean, we're just spitballing here, but yeah. the, the idea key is you want, you want to highlight the benefits as well as like what they're actually getting. Like eventually you want to tell people what they're getting, but you want to, you want to highlight why it's going to help them out first and then give them like what the nitty gritty details of like, I'll do 10 photos for X amount of dollars, you know, or, or whatever. We're harping on this emotional element and it's because it's so huge. And we're, there's a couple techniques and strategies we share in the video where we dive a little deeper. But, um, you know, even if you are like an artist and I share one of these examples in the video, I think it's a great example. You should, you should watch it. But the idea that even if you have a physical product, you know, that you create, you can still sell that online through a platform like Etsy or something like that. And when I was looking through and doing some research, it's incredible like how different an offer looks. Just do this. I mean, like take something you want to buy. Let's say even if you're not going to do it, take like a skill that you'd love to hire somebody to do for you or a product you want to buy or something and just look around and find like Find something that really grips you in and find something that's like, uh, and just look at the difference. It's like night and day. Don't recreate the wheel. I I do this all the time now that I I, I live in this online world and I'm, you know, I'm uh, creating products and and trying to find the right fit. That's the other thing is you want to find the right people. Like you want to speak in your own voice because then the people who find you are going to love you. If you're speaking your own voice or or you're, you know, you just put your own spin to it. The people are going to love it. Uh, You know, who find you, some people are going to love it and some people won't like it, but that's fine because you're not trying for everybody. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Again, you're not trying to sell it everyone. That's what I was was thinking when my first book was like, I'm just going to sell to everyone. What I should have done is focus much more on the people who are already coming to my site, who I knew were felt a certain way or knew a certain thing about frequent fireworks. I try to make it too broad. And uh, so you don't want to do it too broad, especially when you're starting. We're talking about doing it in a weekend, Jay. So it's like, we're just telling you to get your first client or second client or third client. So you want someone who's going to resonate with you and, and, and resonate with your style, especially in the beginning. And we haven't talked about this, but because in the beginning, you're going to want to do a really kick-ass job for someone, right? Because you're going to want them to provide testimonials because that's always going to help. So you really want to get someone decent in the beginning who, who, who resonates with you. And don't, you know, don't let this stop you from taking on someone if you don't think they're perfect. But in the beginning, you know, you're really going to over-deliver for them and things like that. So I think it's important that you put your own spin on stuff. And I've seen myself doing that all the time. Like I'll go to a web page and I'm like, oh man, this guy is making me want to buy his product, even though I, I, I don't need this. Why is this happening? And I'll just scroll through and I'll say, oh, because he has like these awesome, like I saw one yesterday. This guy has like a $25,000 coaching program, right? And 
But his testimonial, I watched a whole five and a half minute testimonial of these two people who I didn't know talking about this guy's course. And by the end, I was like, wow. It just spoke to me. And I, I actually said to Heather, she's like, why are you watching? I'm like, because I'm breaking down why this is so good. And it's and it's because he had certain elements in it, like, you know, they told their story. And that's one of the, the things that you hit on in the video is like wrapping stuff in a story, if you can. Yeah. You, I mean, you have to, I think, you know, if you just say, um, like you said, I edit photos, this is what I do or whatever. Or if you, you know, you tell the story about how you got into it and how, you know, how time consuming and hard it could be, you know, whatever it is, you know, I use the example in the video on, um, like a physical product I bought and like why I bought it over the same type of product offered by somebody else, because you can see the difference. The story is like they brought the product to life in in the story that they told around it and um there's a lot with an offer but i think like maybe we should quit quick hit a couple things and i think the, the big thing is wrapping it in a story or the story wrap making sure everything is um, not just laid out in bullet points what they're getting but you're you're engaging them on an emotional level and you're putting a story around it uh and then trav you mentioned testimonials yeah for sure getting some sort i mean you won't have this in the beginning but well, you could. You could. You could. Maybe you've done stuff for other people before. Yeah. Yeah. But but saying you do a good job is a lot different than three other people saying I really wanted this amazing uh, photo album put together, and Jason did such an incredible job, and it's sitting on our coffee table, and everyone compliments us on it. If someone else says that, like either in writing or you get them to do a video testimonial that's going to speak volumes because that's someone who the buyer can relate to because they're not you. They're someone who bought your product just like this person might. So I think, yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. And an another thing to do is just be really clear with like what exactly people are getting, you know? So uh, if they're going to give you money, I mean, think about every time you pull out your wallet or pull out your PayPal wallet, your virtual wallet and uh, give somebody money you want to know exactly what you're getting. So even if you're offering a service, you know, it, it could be like, you know, this is my hourly rate and this is what I will do or whatever. Like it just outlining exactly what it is that you offer and can do for them. And I guess the reason why I'm harping on the offer, like we don't want you to get hung up spending like hours and hours creating your first offer around this thing. We're just saying if you make it like a more formal type of offer and try to include even some of these elements, it'll be taken more seriously as opposed to just firing off an email, like say it's a friend or whatever. Even a friend will take you more seriously, you know? I remember uh, I had my buddy Mike help me out with some stuff on a, an online business I have for the event industry. And uh, I was like, yeah, come over because I want to show you a few things uh, that you can help me out with. And I created like this training document with like the logo and like things I was going to go through and stuff. And he's like, oh, this is like really professional. Like it sounds silly. It's just a PDF document, but it's like I'm taking it seriously. So you should too type of thing. Yeah, I, I do think there is a fine line between spending a lot of time creating something that like like saying, oh, I got to get a website up and look professional and things like that. Like we're not telling you that. I mean, if you have one already, cool. But if not, we're not telling you like get all that stuff up before doing an offer, but yet treat it as that type of, uh, as a professional type thing. Even if you were the friend or a family member, you know, you just want to, you want to go in a little bit more formal. And I do think that uh, one of the points that we kind of made with the story wrap that I just want to hit on really quick 
is that a lot of times when people are buying a service, they're not just buying like the service that you provide, they're buying because it's you. So like a great example, we had like five different people come in um, to look at like doing our kitchen, right? Like, or, or we had a, a few and, and like our idea was to get five people. In. And so yes, price is a consideration, but you know, different people come in and you get a feel with them and you usually end up feeling a stronger relationship with one or two people than the other few. And you're you're in essence buying because of what they can do, but also because of who they are. And so that's why the story wrap is so important is that people are going to, especially with services, you know, they're going to go to someone that they feel comfortable with. It's not like you're going to Amazon, you're just looking for like, you know, I'm looking for the cheapest uh, digital scale because I need a new scale for my bathroom or something like that. Yeah, that's... They're buying because of the person behind it. It's such a huge point. And... It could be really easy, you know, to just fire off an email and just say like, oh, I did this and it didn't work or whatever, you know, but if you made even like a Word document or you put like your picture in the email and like wrote just a little bit of copy about what it is you're offering and, and, you know, these specifics and if it's something you want to collect money for right away, like how people can pay you. We forgot about that. That's another important thing to include. Like, here's my PayPal email. If you want to work with me, da, 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 da. Um, usually if you're offering a service, you could... You just invoice, send them an invoice later or something like that, um, and they pay and you, you after the service is done. For but, free, like or, or like a very few yeah. cents. Like you can go to create an invoice on Google. I had to do this before, and then you get a free thing, and it's just you know it, it just makes it a little more official than sending an email saying like send me fifty dollars. It's like you just send them an invoice, and it it gets you started. You know? Yeah, and that's 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 after you've worked with them, I guess. But right now, like you said, I mean, I think just getting them comfortable with you and excited about working with you and like just that establishing that trust factor I think is huge. And um, these are all just things to consider when you're creating your offer. Cause again, you're not just bullet pointing uh, the things you will do, but you're putting that story around it. You can include some testimonials from friends and family you've helped out before. Cause if you've probably, you've probably, even if you're teaching the camera example that we talked about, even if you've shown a buddy, you know, a few things, you could always ask them for a testimonial and have them included. So, and, and hit, you know, we, we missed this, but hit on the, if there's pain points, hit on the pain points. So, like photo editing, like, does it take you 45 minutes to edit one photo? Isn't it super frustrating when you don't know how to use Photoshop or how to make a picture black and white, whatever it is? hit on stuff that people have said to you like this is frustrating or that you know is frustrating because that gets in the mindset of like, yeah, that is frustrating. Yeah, he's right or she's right. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, if someone could do it for me, that would be so much easier. And then you're essentially solving the problem with your service, you know? So yeah, I mean, again, we just kind of, we spitball that a little bit out of order probably like how you present it in an offer. But um, there are a lot of different ways to do it. Those are some of the core elements. And I think the important thing here is just if this is like your first time doing this, especially don't get super hung up on this where it's like, Oh my God, it has to be perfect. Again, this is going back to what we talked about in the last episode. It's like putting yourself out there. Like you got to put together an offer and just put it out there, you know, to your target list. And what you can do is if you want to tweak it and you have like two or three versions and you're not sure, Send like one version to like a third of them and another version to the third of them and do a different version on Facebook. In fact, you should because different platforms, especially on social, work in different ways. So if you know this is better for Facebook than this one for email or whatever, put it out there. Try a few different things. It might not work. It should work. You should be able to get at least one client. It's not the end of the world. Just uh, 
Go for it. So, Jay, what is their action item? What is their freedom task at the end of this podcast? Because we're at the two-minute warning here. Okay. Yeah, it's to create an offer and to put it out there to your network. Okay, so create an offer. Whatever it is around the service that you have, like like make an offer. Like I will edit 10 photos for 20 bucks. Or you know, we keep going back if, to that yeah, example. But that's a great if you still don't know what it means to make an offer, check out like fiverr.com. Those are all just offers, basically. Yeah. That people are offering tons of services. So that'll give you some ideas. So create your offer, send it out to your list that we told you how to find your network in podcast two. So that's your freedom task, guys. Create an offer. So if you've already done the other freedom task, one was finding your number one skill in podcast one. And two, we had you brainstorm a list of 20 to 50 people and find your power friends. And now here, send, create an offer and send that out. Trav, one more thing. And you touched on it really quickly, but don't reinvent the wheel. That's something called modeling. We could do a whole other episode on. Find an offer that's similar to what you're offering. That's really awesome. And just, you know, use it as inspiration sure. for yours. All right. Let, we're, we're past the two-minute warning already. We're going to dive into Inside LI because we've got some really cool stuff happening inside the Location Indie community. One person we got to give huge kudos to is Gene. And Gene, this is blowing up on the uh, LI uh, message board and forum. Jean actually just put up uh, her website after working on it for a few months. And um, it's called stopworktravel.com. And Jean crushed it. Like this is a beautiful website that she's got up there. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Jean. And this is something she's been working on for a while. It's uh, it's so cool to see people launching stuff and getting things going. And this, this is going to sound made up. I swear it's not. When we were on the podcast recording this, I got a little distracted because I had Location Indie open. We have this chat window. So you get these notifications if people chat you. And Melinda chatted me. She's a new member. She said, so far, LI has been great. It seems like there are some really cool people here, some really great people here. And the accountability factor is awesome. I've already taken some actionable steps towards getting out on the road more frequently. So thank you for providing the opportunity. Have a great day. That's that's it. I mean, she's new. And I just, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, that, that's, that's just awesome. That's so, it. I mean, the accountability is huge. So if you're not getting it from a community like Location Indie, get it from a group of friends, meet up some of the other entrepreneurs, just get it from somewhere because that's how you're going to sustain this in the long term. We're going to talk about uh, what happens in the long term. What happens after you this weekend? We're going to talk right. about that. And that's in the what we're going to do in podcast four. So after you've created this offer, then where do you go from there? Just taking it back very, very quickly to uh, I got I got a good question for you. So very very quickly to Jean's site, one of the things that she has on here is a sign. So this is the this is how she created her um, the name of her blog, stopworktravel.com. And in Halong Bay, Vietnam, she saw a sign that was just out there, and she has a picture of it on her site that just says "Stop Work." She thought, well, that's kind of appropriate for my life because she's taking six months off to do intentional travel. So she said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop work. What are some of the neatest signs that you've seen while traveling? Well, first, I have to say, did you hear how Gene wrapped that in a story? There you go. <laughs> the story wrap, I mean, Gene. That was the story. And you have a great story behind Extra Pack of Peanuts. So, I mean, the, I think those stories are very memorable. And uh, that's what people remember. So not to, not to get back on that. Uh, oh, my God, Trav. So many... So many weird, crazy signs where you're just like, what? And then I always wonder, 
when people are traveling in the States where I grew up, like what signs do they see that are like seem totally insane to them? Because there, if you look at it that way too, there are some pretty insane ones too. I'm not going to say one particular sign because I can't, there's oh, just so many examples, okay. but I can tell you in, uh, in Vietnam, uh, I thought it was interesting at one place we went, all the signs were in Russian and there's these certain places in Vietnam where they get tons of Russian tourists. So just, everything is in Russian. And I just, I did, that was just unexpected. Um, and that was something, I think I might've experienced that in Greece too. I can't remember, but um, that was strange. And I did see a sign in Norway that I thought was pretty cool. You know, there's the pedestrian sign where people are just walking. But for some reason, uh, this one part of Norway, uh, well, I saw it once before the guy, they had like a guy hat on, with a hat on. And he looked like he was like almost strutting across the street. I'm like, that guy's cool. And then somewhere in Norway, somebody actually like a really small community with like probably not even one stoplight changed the sign to be like, like I can't remember if they were changing it every day or they made it look like he was dancing across the street. So then every time people crossed the street there, they were just like doing some kind of crazy dance to emulate the sign. I don't know. It was pretty cool. Not like silly misspellings or anything like that. But Yeah, I, I actually, it's always fun when communities do something a little quirky like that. A good example of that that I have is up in Sapporo in Japan. So the, you know, on the northernmost island, it's really, really cold. So their men and women's rooms, at least in the train station, I don't know if this is across the whole city, they have, um, you know, it's the typical like outline of a guy, like this standard, like arms at the side, you know, two straight legs, except the guy has a scarf on. And I think the woman has like a, a furry like hat and maybe a scarf as well. So I just thought it was cool that they like dressed them up in winter gear because it was always cold there. That was pretty neat. Japan's got some crazy signs, man. Talk about some misspellings and stuff. I, I feel like it's almost done on purpose at times because how hard would it be to get a native English speaker to come in and be like, no, this is all wrong and here's how to do it. I mean, we're talking on like, you know, bottles of water that go out like across the country, you know, hundreds of millions of bottles and it's like wrong. It, it's written in English and it's wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like they must just do it on purpose. I don't know. <laughs> I've never got to the bottom of that. So some of my favorite signs come from Japan, but it's cool when, when areas spice up their normal guy walking across the street or uh, bathroom signs, stuff like that. So Again, big shout out to Gene. Awesome job starting your blog. Um, if you're interested in getting more information about Location Indie, the community that we've been talking about, you can text Location Indie, I-N-D-I-E, to 33444. All you got to do is pull out your phone, text... Lo- all one word. All one no spaces. Word. No space. Location, I-N-D-I-E, to the number 33444. That'll ask you to put your new email address. Once you do that, you'll be on our Location Indie newsletter, and you'll be able to... Uh, find out everything that's going on and possibly even get this four video series that we've been talking about. That's the uh, sister version to this podcast. So check that out, guys. Jay, great stuff with the offer, my friend. You know, it was fun. I know we did it a little haphazardly, but uh, I think uh, we got a lot of the principles out there. It's only a half hour. I mean, we could jam on offers and go point by point forever, which is actually what we do in the video. But um. Yeah, it was fun. You know, you kept saying signs, and I kept thinking about that song. Signs, signs everywhere. That I hate that song. I don't know what song you're talking about, so I can't. You don't know that song? No. I just Damn. was thinking Ace of Bass. I saw the sign. Oh, even worse. Even, even better, worse. you should be saying. All right. <laughs> we'll Take see you next time. Take care, guys. Time. Thanks for the support. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.